Hi everyone, it's um, great to see such a turnout today. <laughs> but, um, welcome to this morning's service. Um, uh, today we have um, Leanne uh, Munro. Leanne was supposed to be away, but she's um, back here with us, of course. I did say she could do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Leanne has said that um, the parcels there are not on the, on the seats and not to be opened, but make sure everybody has a parcel. Uh, so if you haven't got one, just pick one up from the, one of the seats. It'd be um, fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> all been. no, it's not. <laughs> okay, I'll hand over to Leah. Morena, good morning. Whoa, good morning, everyone. Well, it's a bit of a new world, isn't it? Uh, some of you will know um, my colleague and friend Alistair Lane at St John's. Alistair's mother and father, three weeks ago, is that the 29th of February? Oh, was that only three weeks ago? Um, their Alistair's aunt in the States died, so Roger and Heather the following Wednesday travelled to the United States. So when they landed on Monday late morning, I guess he's in self-isolation for two weeks. And I had to drop round the other day and said to, because Heather needed some medication picked up, and I, you know... You, this is how you do it. You ring them on your phone, you say, I'm leaving it here, and then you step back so that when they come out to pick it up, you can see them and visually sight them and say hello and make sure they're okay. And Roger shouted out the window, self-isolation's great. I'm getting all the window ledges painted. <laughs> and Heather said the garden's going to look fantastic. Well, we come this morning to our call to worship based on Psalm 23. We rejoice in the one who leads us beside still waters. Christ our shepherd shows us the way we should go. Though all manner of evil befall us, we will not be afraid. We are never far away from the love and mercy of the Lord. Amen. Let us stand to sing our first hymn, Longing for Light.
Please be seated. At the end of this prayer, we will sing the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Kia ora, God. It's been a week like no other any of us have experienced, and we are feeling even more on shaky ground. But we are here after a night of wind and rain. The sun is shining. The birds have sung. We've had breakfast, maybe. And we've gathered here, in this place, your people. Maybe not as close as we would like, or maybe we're just close enough. But we are friends and family, even those we don't know well. And we are gathered with you this morning. So we come bearing our weak God to give thanks and praise to you, but to acknowledge the difficulties we've had, the joys we've had, the tears we've shed and the laughter we've laughed. And as we give thanks for that, we pause, God, because there have been times this week when we might not have been the people you call us to be. There have been times when we have done and said things that have hurt ourselves and others and have hurt you. There have been times when we haven't done and haven't said what was needed and in doing so hurt ourselves and others and you. And we bring those times before you now, in this place. We lay them out. We see them. We recognise what was right and good and what was not so. And God, we leave them with you. Because we know that you forgive, Christ renews, and the Spirit always enables us to grow in love. And knowing that, we sing the prayer that Jesus taught. Someone's got the notices. <laughs> well, we are in strange times, as they say. Um, I've had a message from Helen Hay uh, to say that the op shop is closed until further notice. And um, all thanks to all of those who um, have been volunteers. Uh, 
over the last um, months and so. So that's um, closed until further notice. Um, in terms of the offering, we just made a quick decision between my wife and myself um, <coughs> that there is a plate outside if you'd like to put your offering into the plate as you go out um, rather than uh, put the offering bags out. If that, um, that would be of, of assistance. Thank you very much. <laughs> we would appreciate doing online banking, yes. Um, in terms of our services, this will be the last service that we have. Um, we have made the decision this morning that um, we will postpone services until such time as uh, things have calmed down and back to normal. So um, it's great to see you all here. Um, and during the week we will um, put together some options that we can um, keep ourselves informed and keep ourselves, um, you know, <laughs> Walking to, talking with each other and we'll also um, obviously see what we can do in regards to um, getting some information out regarding sermons and things like that and um, uh, we would probably encourage you to um, keep together in your family groups um, and do what you can with that so we'll see how we go from here thanks Birthday. any birthdays <laughs> <laughs> oh we got one birthday I'm sorry we're not going to give out chocolates today but Happy birthday, ah, anyway. That's, um, that's what you think. Ah, right. I'm going to leave it to Leanne now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, kids, we've got to keep a distance, but do you want, still want to come where you can see me? Sorry. I'm going to interrupt that. <laughs> right. Why not? I have glasses. It is really hard not to touch your face when you have glasses. All right, now kids, we've got to keep a distance, but do you want, still want to come where you can see me? Shall we? I'm going to come and talk to you over there. Okay. All right. Well, I have glasses. It is really hard not to touch your face when you have glasses. Let me tell you that. Okay, am I far enough away? It's about 10 metres, so it's probably a bit more far. So it's your last service here for a while. Georgina, you looked a bit surprised. Yeah, how's that making you feel? Yeah. How's that making some of the grown-ups feel? The kids need to know that it's okay to feel sad. So, I wanted to talk about a man who was born and his parents were very sad when he was born. Now, on your order of service, there's a picture I put. Yeah. Now, this was made by a man called Elijah Pierce a long time ago. He lives in the United States, and this is in a universe, in a art gallery in um, museum in Milwaukee in the States. And this is the man who was born blind, can see. And this is a story we're going to hear this morning. And so what you see is a man coming to Jesus and Jesus pointing at him. And then Jesus doing something to his eyes. And then the man going, I can see. Now this man was born blind. I want you to shut your eyes for a minute. Okay. No, both eyes. I saw that. I'm a mum. Don't you know mums have got eyes in the back of their heads and their sides? Can you see? Right, you can't see anything. Terry, you can't see anything, can you? Imagine that you couldn't see anything from the moment you were born. Yeah, but imagine, Terry, you can't see anything from the moment you were born. So you don't know any different. That's just how the world is. But your mum and dad do know different. And so they're feeling really sad. But you grow up. You can open your eyes now. How did that feel, Georgina? Good. <laughs> For a little while. You, but you grow up. And you actually go around asking people for help. And everyone knows you as the dude that's blind from birth. And then some other dudes come along and they say to this man who's walking with them, so what did that guy do wrong that he was blind from birth or did his parents do something wrong? And the word they use for that is sin. And Jesus said, none of that, get real, but by what's going to happen, you're going to see how wonderful God is. And he healed the man. 
which was absolutely wonderful and great. But then what happened was the man had to go and see the people who were in charge of the synagogue, which is where they used to go and worship God. And he went there, because you had to do that in those days if you got healed. And the dudes in charge of the synagogue said, Oi, what's up with you? You used to be blind. Or were you blind? Was it just a hoax? I don't think they were related to Donald Trump. And he, his neighbours all go, no, he was blind. And they get the parents in and they say, tell us the truth. Look, don't know what happened. He was with that man. He can see. Ask him. And they get the man in and they say, now, you were healed on the Sabbath, the holy day. That's, some of them said, that's so not right. So the person who did that for you, that person can't be a person of God because he wouldn't have done that on the Sabbath because you know not to work on the Sabbath, and that's work. And the man said, well, I don't know about that. All I know is now I can see. And they questioned him some more. And in the end he said, gosh, you've got all this in education, and you don't know? And they got so angry because he was being cheeky, they kicked him out. So now he's back out, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. He's been kicked out of the community he's part of. And then Jesus comes along and because and, he's heard what's happening, and he goes, what's happening? What are you doing? How are you? And the man said, oh, this is happening. And he says, well, do you want to see the one who gives light and life? And the man said, I so do. Who is it? And Jesus goes, it's me. And the man says, oh, my goodness, Lord, and worships him. And the funny thing about that story is the person who put it down in his book, who wrote the book of John, the Gospel of John, he's used it to show the difference between light and darkness. The light of what Jesus did for the man who went from not being able to see to see and the darkness of the people who kicked the man out of the synagogue because they didn't understand, even though they had the, the knowledge and the information that meant they should have. So that got me thinking about light and it got me thinking about darkness. So I want everyone to take the little gift they have. Janet, this is for you, even though I didn't know it. Okay, go on, kids. Kids will get a, is there spare ones for the kids. Yep, who's not got one? Josie? Here we go. I want you to open them. Well, some of them might have been knotted, so you might just have to slip off them because I didn't quite cut the piece of string long enough. <laughs> Happy birthday, Janet. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what I want you all to do. Just pull it off, Joyce. Just slide it off over the end. Yep. So... Eat the chocolate whenever you like, because chocolate's good for you. It's too good for some of us. But light the can. Listen, light the candle. Light it when you're together with the people you live with, or even if you're on your own. And when you light that candle, think of one another, because then the light shines in the darkness and you aren't alone. Okay? So, did everyone get one? Oh, Matt, there's an there's, we've got some extras for you, unless there's a spare one over there somewhere. All right, so we're going to sing a song. It's a bit about marching and light and everything else. Marching in the...
And yes, if you want to eat the chocolate now, you may. We're going to do something a little different this morning. Uh, I'm going to teach you a song. Could we have the next slide up, please? Now, thanks, kids. We'll see you later. Um, we're going to sing a bit of the song, and then there'll be part of the reading, and then we'll sing another verse, part of the reading, and another verse. It will become clear to you as we go. But we need to learn this song. And I did double-check the um, pronunciation with Liani, because she's the expert in this. And no, I can't say Kosa with that little click. Fortunately, none of the words in this song have their lovely little click in it. I can do a roll my R's, and I can say loch, but I can't do... There you go. Okay. So it's tumamina, 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 solman blast. Just say that with me. Tumamina, 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 solman Did I get that right? Somandla. Somandla. All right. And it goes, can you give me just the note? The cantor's note. To mamina, to mamina, to mamina, to mamina, somandla. Let's sing it. To mamina, to mamina, to mamina, somandla. Okay, so we'll try that from the beginning. I'm the only one who does the cantor bit, so don't worry about that. To mamina, to mamina, to mamina, to mamina, send me, Lord, send me, Jesus, send me, Jesus, send me, Jesus, send me, Lord. John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is the day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Salam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Is this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Lead me, Lord, lead me, Jesus. Lead me, Jesus. Lead me, Jesus. Lead me, Lord. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes, was the Sabbath. And therefore the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But other asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they had sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? 
How is it that he now can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how can he see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of the age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've already told you. I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are his fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were stepped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped. Jesus said, For judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. John's Gospel is the different Gospel. The other three they call the synoptics. This is a different Gospel. For one thing, there are not as many miracles, and for another, John never calls them miracles. He calls them signs, signs that point to whom Jesus is. And there are fewer of them than you might find in Matthew, Mark or Luke. And they are different, with a different set of characters. They often point towards a tension that runs through the gospel between light and dark, sight and blindness, both literally and metaphorically. And Jesus uses the moments, as he does in the synoptics, to explain the meaning of what has happened, of the sign. But he expands it even further. And here's a note about the historical background when you look at John's Gospel. When you're reading, keep this in mind. Bible scholars generally understand that by the time this Gospel was written, there was increased tension within the Jewish communities in this part of the Roman Empire. It was probably about 30 years after the revolt in Jerusalem that the Romans put down so viciously. 
pulling down all but one wall of the temple, which is now called the Wailing Wall. And the people had scattered all over the place. And in some Jewish communities about now, the leadership was beginning to decree that those who confessed Jesus as Messiah, as Lord, would be thrown out. And so here we have a drama in four acts that points to all of that. The first part of the reading, a man is pointed out to Jesus who is blind and as, as, as happened in that day, had an honourable job of being a beggar because then it meant the people could give alms or give charity to him and thereby undo one of the, the things they were supposed to do as good people of God. Now I often think that it was a somewhat supercilious tone the disciples used at that point as if they were saying, well, we're not like that. We're better than that. But Jesus, surely he was sinful from birth. Um, I seem to think that in some Christian circles, that's still a view. Or surely his parents did something wrong. And Jesus goes, no, none of that. But you're going to see something about how God works. And he heals the man. He rejects the common view of the day. He identifies a purpose that God's glory might be revealed. And I want you to think about that for a moment, because when you hear the word glory, what do you think of? Do you think of Moses coming down from the mountain with his countenance so bright that a veil has to be put over it? Do you think of the story of the transfiguration, which we don't find in John, and of poor old Peter stumbling over his words because Moses and Elijah are there with Jesus? And the glory is there, the light. Or do you remember the prologue to this gospel? Always read at Christmas. Where the light has come into the world and the darkness has not put it out. Jesus rejects the disciples' assumptions and acts to give this man light and life in all its fullness restoring his sight so that he may literally see. But his neighbours, who've known him since he was blind from birth, struggle with this, and they don't know what to make of it. Because what they have seen makes no sense to them. So Act 2, they take him to the temple authorities, which, as I said to the children, that is what you had to do in those days. You got healed, you were restored to the community, you went to the temple, the synagogue, you saw the priests, the Pharisees, scribes there, and it was all investigated and then pronounced, yay, hopefully, but not this time. There were rituals to follow. But there's a problem. It's the Sabbath, and no work is done on the Sabbath. Who grew up with that as a child? Be honest. No work is to be done on the Sabbath. Not even playing a game of cards. I think that was weird. Fortunately, it wasn't around by the, in Mount Roskill in Auckland when I was growing up. But you see, that means there's in the eyes, no pun intended, but I couldn't resist that, of some, not all of the, not all, that's important, not all the Pharisees thought like this. In the eyes of some, the one who healed therefore is not from God because he did not observe the Sabbath. The same comment that is made in Luke's gospel when the woman who is bent over is healed. Remember that story? And then there are questions. Were you really blind from birth? Or is this just a hoax? And I'm sorry, I couldn't help but think of a certain orange-skinned person with funny-coloured hair that lives in a long way from here when I thought about hoaxes. But then they question the man's parents as well because they don't believe him. They don't believe the one whose life has been changed. Why would he want to pretend any different? Any of you are familiar with Monty Python and the life of Brian, the scene with the person who's jumping around because Jesus healed me without asking. You know, your life suddenly changed. You didn't necessarily ask for it, but it suddenly changes. So why would you lie about it? And the parents who love their son but are frightened of the authorities affirm he was born blind but then deflect 
beautifully, I thought, the question, look, he's old enough, go and ask him, in their own way being rebellious. Act 3. The tension and the drama rise. The Pharisees seek to get the man to denounce Jesus as a sinner. Courageously, he refuses because he has gained not just his literal sight, he has gained an insight or the beginning of it, and he knows what is the truth. And while he says he does not know if Jesus is a sinner, he does know what happens, and he tells it again and again, never wavering from the facts. He'd be a lawyer's dream in a court of law. And then he goes further than he perhaps should have, but good on him. He starts getting a bit uppity, and... He's probably highly exasperated, as I would be, at the questions he's being asked. And he asks them if they want to be Jesus' disciples. Imagine you're one of those Pharisees who think this is completely wrong and out of place. And that this person has the temerity to turn around and say to you, Oh, so you're asking me all of this because you actually want to be one of his disciples. Ouch. They get angry and the name calling starts. We are disciples of Moses. We know where Moses is. We know Moses is from God. We don't know where this man is from. And the man challenges them again. He really is pushing his luck. And he's not even a teenager. And he rebukes them for willfully misunderstanding, giving them a lesson in theology they don't like, and using their own rationale and stating the obvious. Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but God does listen to the one who worships God and obeys God's will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He tells them the truth, which I suspect a number of them knew deep down. And their response, their response is to have a hissy fit, quite frankly, and to throw him out of the synagogue, to drive him out, and by doing that, cut him off from his community. Ah, but the story doesn't end there. There's a final act, the epilogue, you might say. Jesus hears what happens and seeks the man out. And there's that, it's a beautiful scene where the man is confessing his faith and belief in the one who restored his sight and sees that that is the person before him. Do you believe in the Son of Man, i.e. the one who gives life in all its fullness? And who is he, sir? Tell me that I might believe in him. You have seen him. And the one speaking with you is he, Lord, I believe. And I thought of Mary in the garden on that first Easter Sunday. Now, it might have ended there, except there's a group of Pharisees looking on, probably wanting to see what happens and to see if they could trip Jesus up. And Jesus knows they're there, obviously, because he comments rather slyly, I think, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Again, a play on those the idea of sight and insight, blindness and refusal to understand, light and dark. Where they have accused the man of being born in sin, Jesus now turns their words back on them. If they can see, both literally and figuratively, they can understand the scriptures then they are blind, and by their definition, they are sinful. And it stops there. And I am left amazed yet again at the deafness of Jesus' response. And I'm left with a question, what is it that I am not seeing? What is it that I am not understanding? Where is my lack of insight into the ways of God and God's call to me and God's call to us as people of faith. 
Who do I reject because they don't fit the mould of what I think a follower of God's way should be? When I was doing this, I kept thinking of um, the late Dr. Fred Hollows, who, as far as I knew, professed no Christian faith. But my goodness, with the innovation he did in, in getting that work done in Eritrea with producing the lenses to help with cataract surgery over there, it actually benefited not only the people of Eritrea, but everywhere else. And how could we say God was not in that work? So I've got some questions for you. And you don't have to put your hand up for these. <laughs> um, do you now have a stack load of tin cans and toilet paper in your house? A woman in Australia overloaded on the toilet paper and the day after her toddlers got into it. True story. Mm, you can imagine. Hands, you can put your hand up for this. Hands up if you went to the store and couldn't find bread this week. Oh no, Meg, how did you cope? <laughs> oh my goodness. We'll come to that. Did you listen to someone other than Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, Reverend Dr. David Clark, or the PM? You did listen to someone other than that to get your facts on COVID 19. Are you going to do that again? You're going to go, those of you with email, with access to laptops, you're going to go to the coravid19.govt.nz site and for your friends who don't have access to a computer, you will print those pages off, won't you? <laughs> I'm an ex-nest, don't get me started. Okay, did you turn off or tune out the news because it was getting too much? Be honest, put your hands up yeah, if you did that. Yeah. Yep, yep. Hands up if you're worried or fearful or scared about what is going to happen. You're allowed to be. That's a normal reaction. Now, they might not be here. Hands up if you lived through the polio epidemic in New Zealand of 1947. What happened? And earlier. What happened? Remind us what happened. Yep. Yeah. And and then we didn't have the travel we have today. Think about that. So if you know an older person who lived through the polio epidemic in this country, talk to them because they might just understand what you're feeling. And that's their gift. Those of you who lived through it, that's your gift to others. I believe that as Christians, God is now calling you and I to be light to our communities more than ever. And how can we do this? Well, recognise and trust the ones who day after day are fronting up to the media. Ashley and David are good men, and I use their names deliberately because I know them on a first-name basis. When I was interim moderator at St Ronan's back in the early 2000s, Ashley and his wife and kids were members there. David Clark is a minister of the Presbyterian Church of Aotearoa, New Zealand, and was briefly my flatmate. <laughs> Not name dropping. <laughs> Our PM is a mum, a sister, a daughter, and a granddaughter. She was raised in a community of faith, and she retains, as I have watched her, I believe, she retains those core values that many of the world's faith share of love and compassion and kindness. And remember that God is our shepherd who leads us beside still waters and through dark valleys. God is with us, encouragingly, alongside us, recognising our fears, not dismissing them. But through these people and others like Dr. Susie Wiles, I love that here, <laughs> giving us the knowledge we need to help our communities get through this. And she's British and she has elderly parents in the north of England, so pray for her and them. Jesus shows us the way. Jesus gives life because Jesus is the light of the world and the darkness can and never will put that light out getting to the panic buying. 
during the week I visited Thornton New World, which is our local supermarket. And I had to do it several times, which is now an indicator to me that my brain wasn't quite functioning as well as I thought it was. I kept forgetting things. And it was actually really distressing to see how people were panic buying. Some were acting in a manner that could only be described as selfish. I tell you, lunchtime on Thursday was hideous. The piled high trolleys, when I know people don't go into that supermarket on a Thursday and park, get a trolley and file it like that. That happens on Saturday, normally. And I looked around amazed. On Tuesday afternoon, I had already looked around amazed at the depleted threadbare shelves, and then I'd looked into the faces of other shoppers. And, it's, and I stopped being grumpy because I suddenly realised people were fearful, and that is why they were panic buying. Some may well have just been purely selfish, but I'm an optimist. I think it's more the fear. So I did the only thing that I could do and that we can all do at that point in time, standing in the queue, I quietly prayed and read my paper like this. And I got to the front and Vishuddha was the teller serving me and we chatted away and Sharon was packing and as I walked away, Sharon, who's one of the supervisors, walked with me and she said, it was so lovely watching you calmly read your paper. Because here's the thing, our supermarket staff are exhausted. It's not just our doctors and nurses who might get exhausted, it's the people who are serving us. We're all in this together. So let's pray and let's recognise that people of other faiths in this country are also doing that. Pray for those who, like you, might be fearful. Listen to others as they voice their fears and don't dismiss them, but remind them that we are in this together and that we need to be, as our Prime Minister has said, gentle and kind to one another. Which is kind of hard when all you want to do is give someone a hug and you've got to stand two metres away from them. Which I've had to stop doing at Huntley Rest Home. I can't hug our residents anymore. And there are some that we would regularly give one another a hug. Many of us are people who need touch. Not all of us want to do the East Coast wave. But however, we can look kindly at another person, give them a smile, say, are you okay? It's not easy. Ring them up if we know them. And gently but firmly reject the negativity of those who would see conspiracy in our officials, rant and rave that they're not doing enough, and who would aggressively question them. Because quite frankly, Ashley and Jacinda and David are the ones who've stood up day after day, several times a day this last week, keeping us informed. They are tired and need our prayers. So say thank you next time you're in the supermarket to the shelf stackers. I thank two women stacking shelves at Thorndon on Friday. They stopped momentarily and said, and I nearly cried, you're the first person to thank us. Usually we're being told to get out of the way. Now don't condemn the ones who've told them to get out of the way. Recognise they were probably frightened and anxious. But do something different. Pray for those on the front line at our medical centres, hospitals and airports. My sister-in-law Fiona works at Three Kings Medical Centre in Auckland. Her middle son is hopefully um, Sunday night London time getting on the Air Emirates flight coming back. We hope. Pray for the air crews. For those that have lost employment in all industries and will lose employment. Talk to your local food bank and find out ways you can continue to contribute because they're going to need us right now. We are Christ's light now, a light that gives life and hope to the community around us, even if we ourselves are fearful. Because we have hope and promise of life in all its fullness, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus said. And through us, he is. Through us, God is in the world. 
we are God's light shining in a time that, quite frankly, is feeling a bit dark. And then remember the shepherd king who wrote that psalm. I invite you to close your eyes as I read them, and if you wish, say them with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We remain seated as we sing the beautiful hymn, Etiariki. You will give your offering as you leave. But let us pray now. And then we will move into prayers for others. God, we have brought gifts of food and money from our lives and the gift of ourselves to this place this morning, your house. And we recognise that there are others in the city and around New Zealand doing the same. There were others who gathered on Fridays in the mosques, others who gathered on Saturday in the synagogues, and also gave, not just for their communities, but for the well-being of our city. God, as we have given, may we receive. In your name. And now we pray our prayers for others. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Shepherd God, we pray for those who need gentle, kindly shepherding right now, which includes us. For those who are feeling like they have lost their way. For those in this community sad that this is the last time they will gather together for a little while. May we be calm, may they be calm. For those of us who are lost, may we be reorientated in our thinking and our living. And for those of us who are sad, may we find new ways to be community together. God makes me lie down in green pastures. God leads me beside still waters. God restores my soul. Restore us, God, and restore our communities. Help us to breathe in and out, to allow your respirations, your Holy Spirit, to flood our beings. And then help us, God, to help others find those still waters amid the raging river that seems to be flooding our common life as people. We pray for all leaders of faith communities, 
of any faith community, minister, priest, rabbi, imam, who are being called upon to minister in other places to the sick and dying, the frightened and despairing, and not just overseas, but here as well. And we give thanks, God, and laugh at the ingenuity that leads to creative ways of assisting souls to be restored, like priests hearing confession from people's cars. Help us as your people of faith to explore and develop equally creative ways to continue ministering to our communities. God leads me in right paths for his name's sake. God, we pray for those who are fearful, so fearful they are being selfish, making us angry, most unintentionally, a few deliberately selfish. For those who are taking advantage of the fear and uncertainty to line their own pockets, may they see the error of their ways and may their hearts be changed. May we all learn to share what we have with who is in need. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you, Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God, we pray for those who are facing uncertainties about income and employment. While some of us can work from home, not all of us can. For medical, nursing and other health staff, not just in our hospitals, but healthcare assistants, nurses at our rest homes staff at medical centres, for teachers trying to keep things as normal as possible for their students, our children. God, we recognise that all these have their own families to be concerned about, and indeed some of these workers are in the age group most at risk. So we hold them before you in prayer and pray for their safety and well-being, physically emotionally and spiritually. God, we have seen what is happening in other countries to those on the front line, so help us to do our part to prevent that happening here. We pray too for those accessing our food banks, those who can't stock up because they don't have enough money to do so. They live from week to week. Lord, may we work together to find ways of meeting their needs at this time. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. God, our enemy now is a really tiny, tiny living organism. It's kind of hard to hate that. But we see and hear what it does. So our greatest enemy, Lord, at this time is that fear drives us to do the opposite of what you call us to do, to live the opposite of how you call us to live. Because we are in this together, teach us how to share the table you have prepared for us with others. And as you have anointed us with your oil of life and healing, may we in turn anoint others. Help us to be kind, to be thankful to those serving. Remind us to check on the vulnerable in our communities and to smile at one another as you smile on us. Remind us to continue to care for our environment so that once we are through this crisis, we find ways and agreement on how to heal the world around us. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Gracious, holy God, as you give us goodness and mercy, may we give it to others. Amen. Let us stand and sing, Wonderful Cowter Come, Be Thou My Vision.
go from this place out beyond the walls. And even when you're at home or distancing two metres or doing what you need to do to stay safe, hold the love of one another together and share it into the world. As you go from this place, until you gather again, because you will, deep peace of the running way to you, deep peace of the flowing air to you, deep peace of the quiet earth to you, deep peace of the shining stars to you, deep peace of Christ, the Son of Peace, to you.